now, time for Seafood News. Welcome back to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle. And I'm seafood market reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo, taking place at the Mazatlan International Center in Mexico from September 6th to the 7th. Visit expoinnovationayp.com or email expo at sbs-seafood.com for more information. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about this week, from the Arctic surf clam fiasco to the lobster emoji. So let's kick things off. The big news last week was that the Canadian Department of Fisheries and Oceans withdrew the 25% Arctic surf clam quota from the small New Brunswick First Nation that won the award. In addition, the DFO pledged to work with existing sole license holder, Clearwater Seafoods, to ensure that the unallocated quota can be used to support income and livelihoods of plant and vessel workers this year. I cannot believe how this story unfolded. Dominic LeBlanc is no longer fisheries manager, um, but according to reports, the Five Nations Clam Company, which was awarded the fourth Arctic Surf Clam license, actually had close ties to the federal Liberal Party, which includes LeBlanc. Now, the new minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, said that he doesn't think LeBlanc did anything inappropriate. And, I mean, he even said that LeBlanc made the decision to cancel the quota award before he left the position. But the decision came after a series of interactions. This is a quote-unquote. Quote, yes, yeah, series of interactions <laughs> between the Five Nations Clam Company and the department. So I'm curious what those yeah. series of interactions were. <laughs> it's definitely an interesting story to watch especially since indigenous groups will be able to try to secure the license again under the new procedure announced by the DFO. In other news, Spanish authorities worked alongside Interpol and Europol to seize 45 tons of tuna that was illegally treated. Now, according to the report, the fish in question were frozen and only suitable for canning. However, the fish were treated with an unknown substance that enhanced their color and was then sold as fresh fish, which is wrong. (laughs) Um, While the substance that the fish was uh, treated with has not been identified, it's likely carbon monoxide, which prevents meat and seafood from discoloring with age. So this was something that I actually had no idea about, but um, fish treated with CO is legal in the U.S., uh, but illegal in the EU. Did you know that? Uh, I knew it was legal in the U.S. I didn't know it was not legal in the EU, which makes it more concerning to me. Um, but yeah, like when why I are, why are we eating it? Right, <laughs> and I just think of it like you know when you get your ground beef out of the the meat the meat counter and it's wrapped up in the styrofoam and it's got the air around it. I always think like oh they just shoot a little you know co in there to keep it fresh and I didn't think anything of it. But you know when it's like when other in, other places are banning it, yeah, that's like yeah. a little concerning like, to hmm. me. But maybe I mean I mean I get it like. I get that in order to keep product fresh, I mean, we'd probably dispose of so much more if we hadn't, if we don't right. do this. But at, like I said, at the same time, it's still, still a little concerning. Yes, for sure. But I mean, it's, you know, so CO treated fish and meat can essentially pose a risk to public health in that the modification of the color can mask spoilage. And most countries share the concern that there could be a potential toxic effect in meat and seafood that has been treated with CO. A study on carbon monoxide in meat and fish packaging found that fraudulent use of CO provides an additional risk of histamine responsible for toxicological effects. But besides masking potential spoilage, CO-treated foods also mislead customers who think that they are purchasing a fresh product. So specifically looking at tuna, you know, a bright red color is, you know, an important factor in determining the quality and market value of the product. So if the product is treated with a color-enhancing substance, you know, consumers may not be buying the high-quality product that they think they're, which would as a consumer infuriate me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, right now an investigation is underway into the illegally treated fish 
and three companies and three fishing vessels linked to the scheme, um, you know, they're, they're being investigated and those involved could face jail time for endangering public health. This is when we need that shame, shame, shame Ooh, little ding, ding. sound yep. clip. Or like a bars closing. Yes. <laughs> and so, shackles. <laughs> yes. So we have, we have this fantastic editor named Sean. And uh, so, Sean, if you're listening to this, which he is, <laughs> and let's add in some fun sound effects. <laughs> I think our listeners want that. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along, a New Zealand company called Revolution Fibers has launched a skincare range called ActiV Layer. Ooh, I love that we're turning this into a beauty podcast. <laughs> I just picked up a new shampoo the other day. And, and I'm going to stop you right there, uh, Amanda. We're talking about this skincare line because it contains fish skin, an extract from hokey fish to be specific. So it's a patch that's part of a seven-day treatment, and that goes under your eyes, and it's supposed to reduce wrinkles and under-eye darkness. Okay, I can get on board with that. But it is $70. And I'm right back out. <laughs> but maybe we can try making our own face cream with fish skin. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that will work, but I will <laughs> gladly play aesthetician and cover your face in fish skin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps we can uh, get our hands on these uh, these under-eye treatments all in the name of research. That and, seems fair enough. And get them expensed. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> Uh, But this product is made from marine collagen, um, so there is no fish smell. According to the company, all the subcomponents of the fish skin are completely gone. And the reason why they used hokey skin is because it's easier to absorb than traditional creams. That's pretty cool. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, Not for the $70 price tag, though. I'm like... We'll we'll see about that. All right. I just got like a nice (laughs) one from Trader Joe's. It was like $3.99, but no fish skin in it, so Mm. yeah. Um, on to our final story of the day. The main lobster emoji is now being used as a symbol for transgender representation. So a trans activism group called Lobster Against Transphobia has started a petition to get Unicode, Google, and Facebook to include a transgender flag emoji, which didn't make the last emoji update. Now, if you're not familiar with the world of emojis, the Unicode Consortium is the organization responsible for approving and adding emojis. And they don't do this every day. It's pretty much once a year. Um, Right now, they're accepting draft emoji candidates for 2019. So far, a transgender flag is not on the list. And because this pink and blue transgender flag doesn't exist, the online petition is encouraging users to use the lobster emoji, which is only approved by Unicode this year. And the reason why they're using the lobster emoji is because lobsters can display both male and female characteristics. So the group posted the following statement on their change.org petition, and they said that emojis are a way for the world to connect, and trans people shouldn't be left out of the conversation. Unicode granted the lobster emoji proposal, which argued that people suffered frustration and confusion, confusion at having to use a shrimp or crab emoji instead of a lobster. Imagine if that was your gender. Surely we deserve the same rights you have afforded crustaceans. Well, I hope they get it. Yeah. I mean, that's like a good point. Right. But the, the response to the lobster emoji was, was pretty funny, like that people were like, How, I'm supposed to use a crab emoji for my right. lobster? <laughs> so it's like, why can't we have this, this pink and blue flag? It's, yeah. It seems really silly. Um, so before we go, be sure to visit AboutSeafood.com. The National Fisheries Institute has once again expanded their Seafood Sea Jobs campaign with three new videos that illustrate the impact of tariffs on the seafood community. The latest videos featured include Maine Lobster Business Thrives on Access to Global Markets, U.S. Seafood Success Story Requires Global Sourcing, and American Seafood Jobs Fueled by Imported Seafood. Thanks, Lauren. 
Once again, this week's episode was brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week, where we'll be joined by Seafood Nutrition Partnership President Linda Cornish. Linda was, uh, will be talking to us about getting kids to eat more seafood. Just in time for the school year to start. That's a fact. Bye-bye. Bye.